Today we have with us guest Stephanie Stahl, a psychotherapist and author of over 10 books, one being named The Child in You. I think it's such a pleasure to have Stephanie here today because she's well-versed and very much wise in what she does. And I know that I enjoyed every moment of it and took so much away. And I know you will too. So let's go ahead and give Stephanie the warm welcome that she deserves and that she'll have. Thank you, Stephanie, for joining us right here on Voices of Courage. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back. This is your host, Brandy J. Voices of Courage. Today I have with me an amazing guest by the name of Stephanie Stahl. Stephanie, are you there? Yeah, thank you. Hello. Hi, thank you for joining us. Uh, Stephanie, you you do so much. You're a a great psychologist, right? Yes, psychotherapist, psychologist. Yeah, Yeah. how many years of like, uh, and it's been quite some time, right? You've been- 30 years, yes, 30 years. years. Okay, and you have uh, you've written books and uh, top um, bestseller, and so you're very uh, like in what you do, you're very like versed, like you know what you're doing, as you should know. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like you're probably you're ranked as like uh, like high um, recommend, highly recommended in what you. Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, at least in Germany and Europe. It's yes, I'm very on the top on the bestselling list for many years now. In the U.S., it's a little bit harder because I'm not already known here, but I hope that will be uh, all too soon. Yeah, yeah, you're needed here. <laughs> Twenty-one people needed. We need, we need help. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, thank you for for joining us. I'm I'm really stoked to have you here. I know that I was reading through all your stuff, and what stood out for me was um, self-esteem. And I find that to be something that is a game changer that it kind of moves, maneuvers the way a person uh, interacts with people, right? And the way they just go about in life, it all depends on how you feel about yourself, would you say? Um, of course, of course, because uh, especially your self-image determines how you perceive yourself and how you perceive other people. For example, if you have a deep rooted in a belief like I'm not enough, which is, I, I, I always say the beliefs are the programming language of our self-esteem because the self-esteem itself is a little bit abstract. Now, what is our self-esteem? But when it comes down to belief systems and you, you get in touch with your beliefs, they describe your self-esteem. So if you have, for example, this is this belief like I'm not enough or I'm not worthy, I'm not important, it, this describes your self-esteem and your self-image, then you're very, very easily inclined to project on other people a certain superiority. You know, you perceive them easily a little bit like you know stronger than yourself bigger than yourself and that then you're running the risk of perceive perceiving them like like enemy enemies you know and not as friendly other human beings and there lies a big big potential of misconception misunderstandings and big potential you know for um arguments and 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 fights 
Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense because I've always believed that, um, like, when people, like you said, project, like, uh, you know, bullying or when people just treat other people badly, I always feel like that's not really me. That's them, how they feel toward, about themselves. Exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah. Because it's so, uh, the, the, the little the more little our self-esteem is or the more um, fragile, the more we are running the risk, you know, to, to, to have a skewed perception of other people, be it that we think that they're just much better, that they are hostile, that, that they achieve much more than us in life. So that generates envy within us or all you know often feelings bad feelings bad feelings and if you feel bad with other people you know you often behave not in a very nice or correct way towards them so this this low self-esteem not only burns yourself of course in the first place it burns yourself but it puts also big strength on your relationships yeah. So from your from what your your perception, would you could you would you say that most most of the I wouldn't say most of the world, but a, a lot of it seems to your eyes seems to be this way, like because you see that a lot, like people always critical and and just putting their energy in such in the wrong directions to people that have nothing to do with their lives and. And I always wonder, like, what, why, what is, you know, where, where's that coming from? So would you say that most people in the world usually have low self-esteem more than they do? Um, no, there, there's quite a lot of research about that. And it is, it is closely linked to the attachment style. You know, we have this secure attachment and this insecure attachment and secure attachment takes place when there is a quite good interaction between the parents and their children so that the children develop basic trust. And if you have developed basic trust and your your parents have a good empathy with your feelings and are loving and caring, the chances are high that you develop a quite good self-esteem. Well, of course, it's also a matter of other influences besides the parents, but the parents are very, very crucial in this process. And of course, our genes <clears throat> also play a role when we are building up self-esteem or not. And then you can say that maybe about 50% of the people have not so many issues with their self-esteem and the others have more issues. But in my approach, you know, I developed a new approach about the inner child. And I talk about the shadow child and the sun child. And the shadow child embodies our more negative beliefs and more critical uh, childhood imprints in the sun childs and bodies, everything that went well. And apart from that, the sun child stands also for the solution. So the sun child encompasses also our abilities as adult persons to build new beliefs, to build, build up new behavior, to find new attitudes. And the 
shadow child in my approach is a part of the inner child everybody has within himself because there's not such a thing as perfect parents or perfect childhood. So everybody, although he or she maybe have in general acquired good self-esteem, still um, still has a little part of a shadow child in herself or in his self because of this circumstance that never ever everything goes really not that never everything goes perfect with our parents and i always add if our parents were perfect it would be also you know shitty because who wants to have perfect parents you know you have something to develop and something you know to to rub your elbows and you know to to evolve yourself and with perfect parents that can become quite hard yeah, yeah, totally. I agree with that. Um, I always feel like, you know, there's people that are like try to hide every, there's certain things that children shouldn't know about, but they try to hide everything like as if they never did, did certain things or maybe crying or, or not feeling strong, like don't show your kids that. And I'm like, oh, I, th I think that your kids should see that you're human and that you go through things because how are they going to learn how to go through, deal with things too, if they don't see you go deal with things. I think the most important thing uh, about parents is that they have an idea of their own shadow child because the shadow child is just a metaphor for all the imprints or more negative imprints we received through our upbringing, our parents. So uh, later as adults, and we take over these imprints, of course, in our adult life because these very early imprints on our brain um, con configurates so to say the glasses or the lens we look through to see the world because one has to know when we are born our brain is not finished it's only developed by 25 percent and all the rest of the neural pastoral ways um, will be forged during our upbringing so our upbringing is so important um, on our construction of our brain, so to say. And with this brain, we have to live. These are the glasses uh, where we look through to see the world. That's what I meant when I have deep-rooted belief because of the way my parents behave towards me, that I'm not enough, that I'm not important, and so on, that has such a great impact on all of my life later on. So it's very important to make the acquaintance of our own shadow child to really get to know um, what childhood imprints do reign me in the end. Because if I have no consciousness for this, then all these old programs reel off without me even, even knowing about it. As a, for example, I'm not enough, somebody... Um, Somebody forgets, maybe my partner forgets something that is important to me and be it just that she forgot to buy my favorite chips and she triggers my shadow child who always thinks it's not enough and it's not important, then immediately I'll be hurt and injured because I think, oh, here we are again. I'm not important. I'm not enough. She forgot, you know, to, to bring me my favorite shit or whatever. She forgot my birthday or whatever. And then I'm triggered by my shadow child. It's injured. And injury, 
injury is always closely linked to anger, maybe have outbursts of anger then, and then the bickering in the fight starts. But if I would have been aware of all these um, connections, I could have stopped me in at an early moment by what I say, catch yourself and switch. So at the moment I felt a little bit hurt. Oh, she forgot this bag of chips. I could have stopped. Oh, watch out, watch out, Steffi. That could be a shadow child. You're so easily to bruise. And then I switch to my adult self. And the adult self stands for my reasonable thinking, for, the, uh, for, for my rational thinking. And from there, I get into the observer position and say, no, moment. It's just your partner. And she loves you. And she, she may forget something that is important to you because she's not perfect and neither are you. And then I could have stopped and regularly regulate on an early onset these emotions because when the emotions become too strong, you have hardly any chance to, um, to regulate them at this later stage. You have to catch yourself uh, at an early state. Oh, that can be very intense. And so like you said previously, the, when growing up, that, that's very crucial as a child that you know, because uh, everything is so um, impressionable and, and, you know, people just think you grow out of stuff, like, and you don't, it stays with you. And then, like you just unfolded right now, how those things can play out for for a person. And then the person that, you know, they end up, um, any relationship, I guess they have, <laughs> you know, and it, you know, takes, I guess what, takes a prisoner or something like that, so to say. Well, you don't know when you're dealing with someone with these issues if they're if they're not taken care of or even addressed this is um a lot of times what the problem is within relation relationships is somebody's inner child of course if there are two shadow child really um you know in a relationship and they 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 they, these two people don't reflect on their inner patterns, on their inner ch shadow child, then they can become so much enmeshed, you know. And that is always this problem to be enmeshed. Enme enmeshed in a relationship actually means that I take parts that belong to the other person, to me, on my side, and that I project parts that belong to me on, on the other side, to them. Uh, for example, if somebody doesn't treat me nicely in a relationship. Yes, he downgrades me. He is not very reliable. Let's say maybe he's a narcissist. And then it can easily be then it can easily happen in a toxic relationship that the other partner, the dependent partner, thinks he treats me like this way because I'm not enough. So he makes or she makes herself responsible for the bad behavior of her partner. That means she takes his or her part on her side, not he treats me like an, you know, a jerk, but I'm not enough. Or other way around, if my shadow child feels very dependent and very 
very, very bad, I maybe expect from my partner that he or she has to heal me and has to take the responsibility for my life. So I put something that belongs actually to me and what I should take care for in front of his or her door in the way, please care for me, care for me, make sure that I'm happy. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Is everything, so, uh, Brandy, is everything understandable what I, I say? Yeah, yeah, I'm following along because I, I love um, like uh, psychology and all that stuff. And I, I tend to, everything you're saying is registering because uh, these are the things that go kind of go through my head when I'm uh, outside looking in to myself and others. And I always wonder, I see further than what's in front of me, like kind of like, what is your childhood trauma? That's in my head. Oh, okay, like, oh. okay. <laughs> So, because yeah. when you sometimes react so a little bit um, uh, hesitatingly, I'm not sure whether I'm, you understand what I'm saying or not, because I'm always a little bit, um, I'm not so very self-confident when I speak English instead of my mother language, you know. You're doing great. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. I'm in everything that you're saying, because uh, this is you know, very fascinating to me, because I always uh, am thinking that, you know, in um, a different way when it comes to uh, people in, in the world and how in their actions and how they behave and everything. I always consider all that like, you know. What I always say, that is my saying since, since a long time, if everybody in this world would be self-reflected, if everybody did his or her homework on self-reflection, we would have a much, much, much better word. So this, this, this psychological thinking and to care for your own inner parts, to care for your shadow child, has is is a political necessity, and not only the hobby for women in the menopause. You know, where some older men like to put it. Yes. Oh, the psychology, no, that is nothing. <laughs> you know, they, they laugh or making fun about people who, who try to get aware of themselves, at least this older generation um, of men. Now the younger ones are becoming much, much better. There's a new movement that also younger men want to develop and they start thinking about themselves and to talk about their emotions and so on. But in older generations, that was really, you know, the that was, it were mostly only women, women. I think in the US, as well as here in Europe or in Germany, uh, the most reader of psychological literature are women, yeah. not men. But there's luckily uh, a change. Is, there's a change taking place within the younger generation, and I'm very, very happy for that. Yeah, that's true. So, because now people, um, especially with men, they're starting to uh, uh, accept like going to therapy and all that stuff now, right? More yes, and reflect on their emotions, talk about their emo emotion, emotions uh, beneath each other. And in former times, or back then, men were only talking about sports and cars and politics, and women were talking about their relationships and so on. And there's a big shift. Yeah, yeah. I know within um, 
growing up, like the black culture, and we were just talking about this the other day, that you know, uh, the men are told like kind of like not to cry, to suppress it, and all. Yeah, that. yeah, exactly. You know, it wasn't healthy, you know, because then they don't know how to, because they feel like they're going to be less than to their peers or their woman and their, their their family, you know. And I'm starting to see more men accepting that, and too. But I also see a whole group I just listened to the other day discuss sensitivity and how a man it's not supposed to be raised to be sensitive and that's what a single mom I guess to them does is raise a sensitive man and and to me I took offense because at the end of the day a man's still a human being right so <laughs> you know that has feelings and emotions and so I just didn't think that was a very healthy uh comment yeah. is that too something that's like you would say programmed or someone learns or develops or how does that thinking usually come up come about I guess from uh the, the home right yeah, sure. The home, the upbringing has a tremendous impact on everything, of course. And that's where you're, you, you build up this inner child, this shadow child, and you, you, you carry these inner programs over into adulthood and there they work. They just work. You know, you have your triggers, you, 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 and then you re react. And if you don't re reflect on your triggers, um, the whole game, you know, takes place without your conscious mind. So the most important thing is to 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 get uh, to make acquaintance with your shadow child and to detect your inner beliefs and most importantly to detect your self-protection strategies because it's not only about the the shadow child and its belief system and the feelings that do arise um, because of the belief systems, so like shame, anger, um, injury, or whatever, but the self-protection strategies you employ to compensate your low self-esteem. So if you often think that you are not adequate and that you're not enough, then you maybe develop already as a child a self-protection strategy to be a good boy or to be a good girl so you try to meet everybody's expectations because if the parents are for whatever reasons if they are not able to meet their children's needs for for connection and love and 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 being well cared for then the children take the responsibility that their relationship with their parents will work out. So they try to be a very good girl or a very good boy to make sure that they get the love of their parents or at least won't be punished. And this over-adaption to the parents' needs is a breeding ground for all further problems in adult life. And these protection strategies that you often, not all of them, but many of them develop already as a child, like, for example, striving for perfectionism, striving for peace and harmony, striving for power, as to be power hungry, or flight and escape, or... Um, trying always to avoid conflicts and meet everybody's expectation and so on and so on. These self-protection strategies are the biggest burden on our relationship because if you only have a belief like, mm, 
I'm not important, I'm, I'm bad, I'm not enough, and so on and so on. Actually, not so much happens. You know, if you have had this belief and you would talk about it with other people, with your friends, you tell them, oh, sometimes I often think I'm not enough. Actually, nothing happens. But if you withdraw very often because of this belief from contact, and if you're always wearing a mask to hide away your supposed shortcomings, then you have the problem that you don't feel authentic in in, in, in contact with other people, then you have the problem that you maybe feel very lonely because you feel only safe when you stay at home, when, when you avoid contact, to hide away in your home, like your castle. And that is the actual problem that you have to face then. So the self-protection strategies are the biggest burden on ourselves and on our relationships. So in my book, The Child and You, I discuss a lot of this self-protection strategies. And when I come to the sun child as a clear vision of my authentic self, I um, come to the self-reflection strategies, as from self-protection to self-reflection. That means a healthy behavior, a constructive behavior, which with we unburden our relationships and which is much more appropriate than the old self-protection strategies. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I can definitely identify with the um, the uh, self, uh, the protection and how that could work, work against you. I'm now breaking some of those down from like past, you know, relationships and stuff. So, you know, uh, for the time, it seemed like it was working because I didn't have to deal with it. But then I still do because I'm like, I'm noticing something is not connecting. And I'm like, oh, well, that explains it. <laughs> I have to, you know, address those and deal with them. But uh, I know you have um, your other um, few books and, you know, you deal with love, fear, commitment. And um, I wanted to ask you, when it comes to like commitment, love also, but in commitment within relationship from a man or a woman, does one develop fears or issues with commitment through uh, their upbringing also, or does that come out with experience and what you might No, have, uh, no, no, definitely the upbringing, definitely, definitely. Uh, the most commitment issues develop from over-adaption as a child. So um, let's... Um, um, just let's make an example. If you felt neglected as a little child by your child uh, by your parents because they were overwhelmed, and so they didn't meet your your needs for for closeness and protection, at least not they didn't meet these needs good enough. Parents don't have to be perfect; they just have to be good enough. Then you. Then you experienced as a child a lack of love and connect, connection or connectivity. And then you have actually two ways to decide yourself, of course, on an unconscious level. Either you decide, okay, the word out there is not trustworthy. There are no people I can rely on. 
So for the rest of my life, I will depend on myself and only on myself. I will never trust anybody so far that the other person could have the reach to hurt me. So I develop a fear of commitment because I make sure that nobody comes so close to me that he could neglect, reach me or just let me drop as I suffered it often from my parents. The other decision could be that you think, oh, it's so important, it's so important. I'm craving so much for closeness and so that somebody's beside me because uh, I have such a need for it because my parents, they were so neglecting that you start being clingy as an adult, you know? Then, then you're overly concerned to have somebody close to you and then you're then you're running the risk even for toxic relationships that you you stay way too long in relationships that are really not good for you with partners who are treating treating you really badly because you always want to fill this big hole this big wound that you that you gathered within your upbringing and of course later experiences are also important but if somebody who has a stable and is a good self-esteem um, experiences loss in later life yes maybe you're 25 you're in love but then um, then your partner um, um, how you say leaves you but then then your partner breaks up huh? then your partner breaks up and leaves you and you're incredibly sad but you will recover after a while because this breaking up doesn't put salt in a big childhood wound but if you have this childhood wound this breakup story is a is a big bag of salt within this wound. So it's much harder that this wound ever will heal again. People who have a good self-esteem, the wounds heal after a while, and then they recover, and then they think, okay, there are other mothers with handsome boys or other mothers with handsome girls, so they engage again and find another partner. Ooh. But if you have this childhood wound, then it, it it doesn't start, it doesn't stop bleeding, you know. It has a, then this the situation that you were abandoned by your partner has a much bigger impact on your life. So this upbringing, the, the upbringing decides whether you are uh, able to to live in healthy relationships or not because the, the biggest difference between between people who have difficulties to live in relationships and healthy relationships to the others is that the first ones think um, either I'm in a relationship or I'm a free person whereas the other people who have not so many difficulties think I can be in a relationship and be a free person. And that comes down again to this over-adaption during childhood because when people learned, I can get only, I can 
get only along with you under the condition I adapt to your wishes and will, like children had the experience with their unable parents. So they took the responsibility to adapt to their parents' wishes instead uh, the other way around. They had this deep imprinted feeling, okay, relationship means that I have to make many, many compromises and I have to do what you want. Otherwise, you will leave me because otherwise you will reject me. That is that is what I experienced with my parents. But since all these programs are often running on a very unconscious level, the affected people only think when they are adult, either, oh, relationship, that is something that, that feels so 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 tight and I have to make so many compromises and I enjoy my freedom. Or they think and feel, oh, relationship is something, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so afraid to be abandoned and to, to lose you, but they don't make the connection to their childhood experiences. Hmm. Very, very interesting. This is um, something that a lot of people need to, uh, need to, to hear. But it also, I like it's healthy to hear too. Like you said, parents don't have to be perfect; they just have to be good, you know, good enough. Because, it, like you said, there is no such thing as perfect, <laughs> you know, in this world. You know, we all grow up and we carry on stuff from our our where we grew up, and kind of like passes it down. Would you say like it's kind of it's a, you take some of that stuff and you pass it down and you pass it down if, if it doesn't go exactly and therefore it's so important that you reflect yourself uh, uh, on your shadow child when you become parent yourself so you just don't pass it down again to your own children hmm. okay what, what age would you say that um, a child becomes like aware of self like you know when these things start to they take on these um these messages that they're receiving and and it uh, sticks with them. What age would you um, do that? Okay. Um, well, in the first two years, uh, it's all about if you develop basic trust or not. And later on, when language starts, uh, gets into the place, then these other belief systems, you know, they build up later. The self-esteem builds up, well, the, a good Basic trust is a very, very, very good precondition to develop good self-esteem, of course. But for self-esteem, you have to have another awareness of yourself, like that you compare yourself with others. You know, when you're three or you're four years old, you already have an idea what your parents expect from you and what you have to do, you know, to play with other children or not. So you have some concepts, some concepts that you can compare yourself to others. And then it starts, you know, this building up with self-esteem. And when mommy then is often very, very strict, you think when you're four, year old, four years old or five years old or six years old, you don't think mommy's way too strict. Maybe she should go to parent counseling because, you know, she has really a thing with her own parents in the past. But you think and feel as a little child, oh, I'm a bad girl or I'm a bad boy. I'm not enough. I'm not okay. She's so strict because in the eyes of the children, the parents 
are always the be all and end all, and they are always right. And that's the way how children develop their inner beliefs. That is not even the intention of the parents. Most of the times, of course, it's not the intention of the parents, but that is just how it happens that these beliefs um, are developed because children always think they are guilty and not their parents. And they idealize their parents, and this idealization is often carried over into adulthood. So many people who cling to their old beliefs, I have so many clients who tell me, well, I know I've accomplished so much in my life, and I know that I'm enough, but I just can't feel it. I just can't feel my sunshine. And then I... I always say, okay, we don't do anything without any hidden advantage. So please feel, get a feeling for yourself, deep dive into your inner feeling and ask yourself, which hidden advantage do I have to cling to my old beliefs? And very often the people say, wow, if I would admit that I'm enough, that I'm worthy, that I'm okay, I would have to admit as well that my parents really made mistakes. Mm. Yeah, and this deep-rooted loyalty is often the... Um, uh, oh, now I'm missing the word. Uh, please help me, the hindernis in German... Hindrance? No, you don't say hindrance. The like a, in, yeah, I'll just look it up. Hindrance is yeah, barrier, obstacle, and the words that I know. But sometimes the words just come don't come to me when I need them. So I start over again. You can cut it, yes. And these, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. When you speak a foreign language, you, you know many words, but they don't always come to you when they, you need them, you know. So <laughs> I start over again the sentence. Um, yes, that's fine. These, <laughs> this, loyalty, this loyalty to the parents is often the obstacle to change your old beliefs into new and much healthier beliefs. That is really much more often the case than one can imagine that also the adult people prefer to think I'm not enough than they would admit, okay, my parents really, you know, really had some shortcomings. And that is also the reason why many people, or some people, some people get angry when they hear me talking. What is that? They think, why? No, not my parents are guilty. I'm, I'm, adult now, I can make my own choices, choices, I can't blame it all on my parents, and so on, and so on. That is just another sign that they didn't detach in a healthy way from their parents, because my message is not blame your parents. My message is, if you want to know how you tick and how you function, and if you want to understand your unconscious patterns, you have to have a look on your childhood because all these patterns were implemented at that time. And if you want to solve them and um, develop new and healthier patterns, you have to um, 
analyze in the first step your old patterns. And that is by my approach. First, you analyze and get in, in contact with your shadow child. Then you strengthen your adult eye. And then you develop your sun child that is your healthy and authentic first version of yourself. Wow. Wow. Okay. So would you, so, you know, it's always, you know, a bringing and then that dealing with that um, inner child. So would you say too that when we are trying to understand children or maybe when we're even not trying to understand children, is it a good um, thing to remember in dealing with situations that you once were a child, you know, and to think come from a place of there, uh, being, being one yourself, you know, <laughs> so at some point in life, you know, as we all were. I don't, I'm not sure whether I, I understood your question. Could you put it maybe in some different words again? Yes. Um, so when parents, you know, uh, are dealing with their children and you yeah. know, sometimes can be real critical or, or I feel like a lot of times us parents don't really respect our children enough and see them as human beings. It's more about like what I say goes and not really about that, um, what they're thinking or, or feeling. Is it safe to say that we should always remember that we once were children and how, you know, what that was like for us and try to, you know, look at mm -hmm. things a little different, you know, yeah. because I feel like a two-way street. And then I just feel like we don't really give children what, you know, that sense of that, um, like they're important, like they matter. As there's one thing that is very, very clear, and that is research about parental abilities, what is really important. And that is a very, very clear. The most important ability parents need to have is empathy. They have to read and feel their children's thoughts and feelings, especially in the first years of upbringing where the children can't express themselves very clearly. And since the first years are so important for all the brain imprints, this empathy is, is really, really important. And But empathy means also that you have a good connection to your own feelings because you can feel the other people's or your children's feelings if your feelings to yourself are blocked. If you always suppressed, for example, sadness, in your life because this was not acknowledged or not wanted by your own parents because they had difficulties to deal with feelings of weakness like sadness or um, anxiety and so on so you learned as children to you learned as a child to to suppress these weak feelings you have really hard times to deal with these feelings when you're your yourself, your mother or your father, yes, and your your child uh, is feeling sad or anxious or, you know, um, then then you say maybe, oh come on, shut up, it's okay, it's not that situation, you know, it's it's not so bad, come on, you know, and you just go over these feelings or you don't even recognize them at all. That can also happen, you know. Anyhow, you have hard times to, to meet these feelings in an appropriate way. And that children develop a good contact to all their feelings is the bottom of being authentic and for having a good self-esteem in later life. That is all about feelings, that you have a connection to all your feelings, that you know adequate ways to express them 
and that you have means to shape them and to regulate yourself in a certain way. This is really good. I mean, even as I sit here, I'm listening, I'm taking notes for myself, you know, uh, and just reflecting on, you know, myself as a parent and am I doing the, doing these things, you know, and because sometimes awareness, self-awareness isn't, doesn't slap you in the face until you hear something else or somebody else. And then you start to think and, you know, so it's always good to hear it too. Yeah, it's a very good exercise for parents or just, uh, uh, yes, let's call it exercise, just to think about and feel about, do I have a good contact to all to my feelings? And, or are there some feelings I, I rather suppress, block away? And how do I deal with my feelings? Can I regulate them in an appropriate way or, you know, am I instable, you know, um, going ro roller coaster with them or am I a kind of person who is very far away from all feelings, always on the very rational side and so on and so on. So to develop an idea about your own emotional life so then you can figure out your blind spots maybe with your with your children where your where your challenges are as a mother or as a father for example if you come from a family that always suppressed anger because they were so shy of conflict then it would be important to deal with this emotion and to get better ways to work out conflict than just suppressing every uh, conflict and, and every feeling of anger, because otherwise you carry it you carry it over to your own children. And people who are very shy of conflict become often passive aggressive, you know, because they just don't have appropriate ways to to deal with conflict. And passive aggressiveness is really really a burden. To, to relationships. Wow. This is some good stuff right here. <laughs> I'm like really taking this in and just like self-checking myself. And I just kind of dug back in my childhood too, just to see what, you know, because from my understanding, and I know we have to end here soon and I would love for you to come back someday, uh, maybe even with some, um, some, some guests because uh, I am really sitting here digging, going back, um, trying to, you know, because me, I think I have a tendency to, because, because I'm a single mom and I lost my mom, kind of like, well, I got to keep going. I got to keep moving. Uh, I have a child that relies on me. So I have a tendency just to be strong and just keep doing what I have to do so that I don't have to find myself helpless and, and, and can't, you know, rely on anybody or anything. And then whatever an issue that I probably don't even think it's an issue, like I can, I can live through that. It's no biggie. I've been moving along this this far. It's possibly something that I still need to pick back up, and it still could be playing a part um, within my my life. But I have a tendency to do that because what can I do about it? So that I just keep going. If that makes yeah. any sense to you at all? Yeah. Yeah, of course. You you can't figure out an issue unless you you see it is an issue. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Therefore, uh, I would love to uh, suggest you read my book carefully. I think you would find a lot in it that you really you would love and you you could use it for your life today. And it's not such a biggie because here in Europe, so many, many people change within some weeks and months. It doesn't take a lifetime, you know. So it can be very, very helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I think in these days and um, now people are more willing and looking toward looking for some healing, you know, and uh, I'm starting to hear and see that more and more from men and women. So I, I appreciate you sharing all that you have shared. And I definitely want the listeners to uh, know where to get your books. I'm definitely going to um, they're on Amazon. Yes, sure. Okay. Are the, in English is the child and you and yes, no, maybe it's about fear of commitment. And um, the child and you, you get on Amazon and everywhere. You can buy books by Barnes and Noble or wherever <laughs> in the bookstore. And I have this uh, English homepage, uh, stephaniestahl.com. There you get further information about me, also about all the translations, because there may be some not native speakers who are listening to our podcast. I'm translated in many, many languages. And... Yes, you can find also a test how much closeness do I need because I'm also an expert for relationship, ships and fear of commitment. Oh, definitely have to have you back for that one. Yes, I have so much to say <laughs> to that. about that a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. I, I really enjoyed um, listening and I hope the li I know the listeners, you know, got... Um, something from this I know I definitely did I feel like I just went to and got some therapy <laughs> you know and um, I feel a lot lighter you know uh, I appreciate you so much and I definitely am going to have uh, put your books uh, the links and also put them on our website yes please so people can see those because I yes and please send us a, a link you had contact to Karen um, that we can share your podcast also on our social media yes most most definitely and once again thank you so much i i didn't know what a treat i knew i was in for a treat but i didn't really know how much it was gonna affect me so i really appreciate you for that thank you brandy thank you for having me it was great to be here <laughs> yes thank you too you have a great day you too bye bye bye